Nine years ago, about a week before Christmas, my, my mother died. She was 85 years old and she was very weak. But fortunately, when the hospital called, I was able to go and I spent the last few hours of her life with her. Both Lisa and I were there. And I remember holding her hand and speaking to her gently. And at 4.30 in the morning, exactly at 4.30, I watched her take her last breath. And what was amazing to me is that as I spoke to her and as I held her hand, she looked over to look at the clock, digital clock, and she saw what time it was. And then she moved her head in the other direction and died. So the last thing she saw was the time. Now I mention this because her death, so sudden, it just, you know, in the middle of the night, you get a call, reminded me once again of my own death. Isn't that what we think about? We go to the funeral, we, we pass by the casket, you know, if there's a viewing of that type, and we kind of say to ourselves, one of these days I'm, I'm going to be there, that's going to be me. But it not only makes me think of my own death, it makes me think how I will prepare for it. You see, the only sure thing in life is that it will end. That's the only sure thing in life, that it will end. They say death and taxes, but even taxes are not sure. Some people don't pay them. But everybody's going to die. You know, both of my parents died in front of me. My dad died of a heart attack when I was 15. And then my mother, as I mentioned several years ago. So I know for sure, for sure, that life ends at some time because the two most important people in my life died in front of me. Now you may ask, why am I talking about this now? I mean, you know, come on, it's Halloween. You know, we just fake dying at Halloween. And then it's Thanksgiving, it's traveling, it's turkey, it's family, it's football. And then Christmas, you know, Lowe's already got their Christmas stuff out. They're putting away their Halloween stuff and putting out the Christmas stuff. It's supposed to be a happy time. And you're preaching a sermon on death. It's kind of depressing. Well, I'll tell you, I'm doing this now because I want all of us to be ready for death no matter when it comes. Because you know what? It was Christmas, but my mother still died. I had a tree up. I had gifts under that tree. I was getting ready for that holiday. But that didn't matter. She still died. You see, we prepare for happy things like Christmas or birthdays or weddings or vacations, but we don't prepare for sad things. And yet nothing is as sure in life as death, but so few people prepare for it. So with this thought in mind, I'd like to share a few things that each of us need to do in order to prepare ourselves for the end of life that all of us, every single one of us here, are going to face one day and maybe 
some of us even today. So number one, prepare for your physical departure today. Start preparing for your physical departure today. Now, I told you my mom died in 2005, but in 1995, before, 10 years before she died, when she was healthy and independent and she could think and act freely, she made a will and she signed over to me the power of attorney in case of illness and she gave me very precise instructions as to her funeral. And the precise instructions that she gave me were no funeral. That's what the instructions were. No funeral. For her instructions were if I'm dead in point A, you will take me from point A to the grave in point B. Do not stop at funeral, do not stop at services, do not stop at memorial, go straight from the hospital to the graveyard. That's what she wanted. Now she wasn't sick back in those days. She didn't have Alzheimer's. She made all of her own decisions, but she prepared with me, her only son, for the day that she might not be well enough to decide. You know, ever since I was small, she always said that she would live to be 100 years old. I mean, she really believed she would live to be 100. I mean, for the crazy reason that when she was a young girl, she went to see a palm reader you know, at the carnival and she paid her 50 cents and the, you have a very long lifeline, you know? For a dollar, it would have been even longer, but I mean, she paid 50 cents for that line there. And the palm reader, the tea leaf reader, whatever, told her she would live to be 100 and she, she took that for cash. I mean, that was, she believed she would live to be 100. So at 75 years of age, she thought she had plenty of time left. She was healthy. So she would be getting these things ready for the far, far future. But five short years later, I had to take over her affairs because of Alzheimer's. And then five short years after that, she was dead. It happened way sooner than she thought. You know, people are more careful when they plan a trip to Disneyland than they are in planning for their trip out of this world. No matter how young or healthy you are, you're never too young or healthy to prepare yourself and your family in the case of your death. Hey, we're all going on this trip. We just don't know when we're leaving. In my own case, many years ago, I planned for my own eventual departure in the following way. I prepared a will detailing who would inherit what I left, what little I left. Lisa and I are busy trying to spend it all. I made sure in that will, both Lisa and I did, to describe you know, the special things that we would leave to our children so there'd be no jealousy, no hard feelings among them. And I also made provision for one last offering to the Lord. And I don't mind sharing with you that 10% of my entire estate, including insurance, home, everything, will go to the church. And the rest will go to my wife, and family, and it's the same thing if I should precede her. You know. 
And in the event that my family, heaven forbid, but in the event that my family would die before me in some catastrophic way, then 50% of my estate goes to the church and the other 50% goes to a Christian university to provide scholarships for ministers. You know, I, I like it when at a funeral the family encourages a donation. You know, they say instead of flowers, please donate to you know, World Bible School. They used to do that all the time when Brother George did it and I think they still do it now that Brother Steve is in charge. Or, or a donation to the, you know, give your money to the Russian orphanage or a good work of the church, Bible talk, why not? Instead of flowers. It shows that these people want to serve God with everything, including their death. You know, why should the government or lawyers or unbelieving family members use my money for themselves on things of the world? I want a good portion of what God has given me in this life to go back to Him after I die. And in this way, my death serves to honor Him one last time. I get one last time to say, God, I, I love you. Even though I've stopped breathing, one last time I get to say to you, I'm giving you something from my, from my life. And I've also prepared a power of attorney which gives my wife and or children the right to manage my affairs if I am, I'm not able. This is so helpful with the hospital and the bank and the government. Otherwise everything is frozen or the government takes over if you're sick and, and you have no one to, to design to take care of your business. How does it work that you're married and you have small dependent children but you have no legal document protecting them in case you should die? How does that work? I want to tell you something. Without that power of attorney when my mom died, without that, excuse me, when she was just incapacitated, never mind dead, I, I couldn't even turn off her cable. The phone company wouldn't stop the phone. I, I'd, I'd have to keep paying. She had Alzheimer's. They didn't care. I, I would have to pay the rent all the way to the end of the year. I would have, you know, it was a, a nightmare. And all it took was a simple piece of paper with two signatures to make that terrible time at least manageable. And you know what? I'm not making a commercial here. I don't have any business interest in this, but both Lisa and I have prepaid funerals. And this is because it leaves more money in my estate and it controls the costs of my funeral. It also guarantees that my funeral and my burial will be carried out in exactly the way that I planned it. I've told you, I know what goes on my tombstone, Romans 8.1. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what's on my tombstone. And I've left a sermon outline for the preacher, but that's a whole other. <laughs> Thing. And it's also so much easier on the family by giving them instructions to follow instead of having to make decisions while they're grieving. The worst time in the world to make a decision on anything is when someone you love has just passed away. And yet that's when you make all these expensive decisions. So doing these three very simple things now will prepare your family and your own body 
for the day of your death. A second thing to do in order to prepare for death is this. Live a good life today. Live a good life today. When I say live a good life, I'm not talking about the good life you know, in the world. In the world, the good life is a life free from care or pain or worry because we have money, we have health, we have a lot of satisfying things to do to occupy us at work and at play. Some financial advisors I read in the paper all the time tell us, you need a million dollars saved up if you want to you know, really live a nice life when you retire. A million dollars. The good life that I'm talking about is truly a good life. A life that is good in God's eyes. Live that good life. Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 5-7, applying all diligence to your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. This is the good life that I'm talking about. This is the good life we need to live today as a preparation for death tomorrow. Set Christ as your example, your hero, your model. Stop sinning, do better, and you will feel better spiritually and emotionally. We're Christians. We've been called to better things after we die. I had a thought during the communion and the thought was, why is God giving us a new glorified body after our resurrection? God is giving us a new glorified body, among other things, after the resurrection because we will have a greater capacity for joy. It's all right, I'm good, I got kids. <laughs> Let me just back up a little again, okay? Why do you think God is giving us a glorified body? Because I don't think we have the capacity for joy and happiness in this body. He has to give us another body so that we can absorb the wonder and the joy and the happiness and the peacefulness to the degree that He's willing to give it to us which we're not able to in this body. Our cup is too small. He's going to give us a bigger cup so we can drink all of it in. When we're talking about living a good life, it's also, remember, it's also good to remember that it's a good life, like I said, but it's a good life today. So many put off things, so many put off living a good life until tomorrow because they want to enjoy a life of sin today just a little bit longer. But today is the only life that we have, the only life that we can offer to God is today's life. Don't wait till tomorrow to improve it, to offer it to Him. Offer it to Him today because that's all you have. We need to let the Holy Spirit strengthen and guide us in the doing of what is good and right today. Putting things off, making promises of repentance for tomorrow, that's Satan's ploy. That's not 
You know, it's not Jesus talking to you in your little ear when you hear the voice saying, there's no rush for you, you know, to abandon that particular sin. There's no rush. Take your time. You don't want to hurt yourself going too fast on that one. You think that's Jesus talking to you? At some point death will be a part of your day and you will be able to face it with courage if you are living a good spirit-filled life on that day, not the next day. And finally to prepare for death, make peace with God today. The Hebrew writer says, as Chuck read before, it is given to man to die once and then comes the judgment. Now it's not necessary to know the scripture in order to know the truth that it teaches. That God will judge us, that thing is hardwired into our being. It's part of our spiritual and emotional DNA. It's the reason we know intuitively that we ought to know and do what is right and we should avoid doing what is wrong. Why? Because we know there's a judgment coming. We don't, we don't even have to read it. We know it inside of ourselves. We know as humans that there is some divine justice that will eventually be done. And this knowledge of judgment is the reason why people of every nation and tribe from the beginning of time have searched for God. They want to make peace with Him for what they have done wrong. And this search takes a lot of different forms, but the outcome is always the same. Give God something or do something or be some way that will get God to forgive me or to be at peace with or bless me or accept me in some way. All religions are based on this. But thankfully, God has revealed to us how He has resolved the issue of man's imperfect life and His perfect eternal justice. Through Jesus Christ He has informed us that He Himself has paid for or taken care of all of the wrongs ever committed by human beings, all of them. He's wiped these offenses and debts away by offering His Son Jesus Christ as a sacrifice, as a payment for sin. And he graciously makes peace or forgives all of the guilty people who believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and only him in faith. It's a simple plan, really. Because of his kindness, God offers forgiveness and mercy through the suffering of Christ. And through our belief expressed in repentance and baptism, we receive that forgiveness and the peace that this forgiveness creates in our heart. What do, you think, what do you think Paul is talking about? The peace that surpasses understanding. Well, you know, I hear so many people in discussion groups trying to figure out, what's that peace? What is that peace? How do I feel? What do you mean you don't know what that peace is? I don't understand how God saved a sinner like me. That's the understanding. It's beyond my understanding why God saved a sinner like me. Beyond my understanding. I don't understand how God continues to love me after He saved me and I keep doing stuff wrong. That's beyond my understanding. But despite these things, God continues to love and save me. And that brings me such peace. I don't get it. 
I don't understand it all. I can't get my brain around it. But I don't need to get all my brain around it to feel the benefits of it. It's like, hey, how many of you actually know how this works? Right? Maybe Hal. You know. We don't know exactly how you talk into this and then it goes to that person or you take a picture here and that picture ends up over on somebody. We don't really understand it, right? Really? But we get the benefits of it, don't we? We don't quite understand how big and how gracious God is. We don't quite understand it. But that doesn't mean we can't feel the benefits of it. That peace of mind that comes. Of course, the offer is only good while we're alive. It is no longer valid after we die because two things happen after we die. We can't choose or believe after we die, we lose that power. The judgment comes into effect immediately after death. Even if we could respond to God, there is no time. Why do you think Paul says in the twinkling of an eye, everything ends, the old world's gone, the new world's there, we're up with Christ and Twinkling of an eye. No time to say, oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, 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 I believe now. Uh-uh, too late. You see, God makes this offer today because we may not be here tomorrow. Each time you refuse to make peace with God today, you risk losing your eternal soul because God does not promise us tomorrow, only today. You may have a nice life, and your will and your funeral may be ready, but unless you've made peace with God in the waters of baptism, you're not ready to die. I always hear people say, I'm not ready to die. I'm too young to die. She was, she's too good to die or whatever. Only the people who have not yet been baptized are not ready to die. So let's summarize today's lesson, shall we? If you remember one thing, one word from my lesson, if someone says to you, what was the sermon about at worship? Remember the word today. Today is the day of salvation and God is calling you today to make peace with Him. And if you refuse Him today, there is no guarantee that you'll be able to make peace with Him tomorrow. That's not hard preaching or hellfire preaching. That's just the truth. That's just how things work. Secondly, today is the time for right living, not tomorrow. Start being a disciple that you're meant to be today. Start being the disciple that Jesus called you to be today. Forget yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. What you do today, that's what counts. And finally, today is soon enough to begin preparing yourself and your family for your departure. If you love your family, you'll help them deal with your passing by preparing the legal and funeral details ahead of time. If you love your church, you will make provision that it can continue its work and growth after you're gone. In this way, you will die the way you lived, and that is faithfully serving God. If you do this, it will be a much better legacy than leaving your name on a building or having your in-laws uh, you know, uh, buy a new car with your insurance money. 
The only time, my brothers and sisters, the only time we have is today. So let's be sure we're ready if the Lord comes for us today. If you need to respond today, then we encourage you to do so now as we stand and as we sing our song of encouragement.